Welcome to Purpose Without Limits, the show which strives weekly to empower you to reach your true potential, to help you understand how a simple shift in thinking can make success a reality, both professionally and personally. You'll learn about business etiquette intelligence and why a first impression is so crucial and the real rules of the game to help you outclass your competition. Your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. For more, visit MakeYourBestImpression.com. The time to become your best self is today. Here's Dallas Teague Snyder. Welcome to Purpose Without Limits with your host, me, Dallas Teague Snyder, America's impression engineer and the author of Professionally Polished Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market. Now, if you've just joined us, Purpose Without Limits is a show that's been, I guess, on air for about eight weeks now, and we've had some amazing guests, and this week is no different. But the great news is that you can go back and register for the podcast download. You can do that at webtalkradio.net or also go to purposewithoutlimits.com. So we're thrilled to have you with us today, and we definitely value your time. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today, like other weeks, we have a fantastic guest. Her name is Pauline Duncan Thrasher, and she's the CEO of Communication Excellence. She's going to be with us today talking about that messy, stinky stuff we have to get through to get what we want. She's also going to talk with us about the challenge of communication and give us some tips on what we can do to communicate more effectively, regardless of our age, whether we're in leadership, perhaps middle management, or even with the young people in our lives. So I think we'll really enjoy talking with her today. And of course, we always have free gifts from our guests. You know we can't have a guest if they don't give something free. We certainly value your time, and they do as well. So Pauline will be offering something for you as well, which we'll announce at the end of the show. And of of course, we'll have Barbara Kazam to give her two tip of the week, so you don't want to miss that. So, let me ask you a question. Do you agree that we can always learn no matter what age we are and learn from anybody? I know it's amazing. When I do my personal coaching classes or do my workshops, I tend to learn from those in my class. And I think you would agree that if you go to an event, it's usually the nuggets from the people that are sitting right next to us that we really take take to heart and really make an impact on us. So we have to make sure we're open to be able to learn from everybody. And I think that's very, very important. Communication is so vital. And in fact, today, I was at the American Society for Training Development chapter, uh, our monthly luncheon, and we talked about change resistance. And the bottom line is the reason people are resistant to change is because of communication. So often we don't tell people why they need to change. So Communication is certainly something that's a core value that we've got to adopt and we've a skill we have to learn so therefore we can be successful in all areas of life. So let's talk to Pauline. Pauline is is helping leaders throughout the globe. She's actually in Canada joining us from Ontario today and she helps professionals move forward with communication skills both from the platform and with their team members. She is the author of Swimming Women. Yes, I said Swimming Women and it is not a southernism. <laughs> That's the name <laughs> of her book and she'll tell us why she did that on purpose. Uh, and she is a keynote speaker for women's groups and conferences helping audiences to learn how to ride the ways of change and dive into life. So without further ado, help me wel welcome Pauline to the show. Welcome, Pauline. 
Thank you very much, Dallas. It's a delight to be here. Oh, well, I just, I've said this before, technology is an amazing thing, and I've been to your uh, lovely province before. I haven't been to your area of London, Ontario, but uh, have been to your capital, and uh, when we were chatting earlier about the snow we had in Alabama last week, um, I know it's a far cry from what you guys get from time to time in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we bought our first snowblower this year. Oh, you did? But we haven't been able to use it. We've only used it about two or three times. My husband's quite excited today because we're getting enough snow that may warrant it. <laughs> <laughs> so you finally make that make that uh, choice to buy the snowblower, and almost as the universe is saying, uh, "We'll see what a bad purchase doesn't give you that chance to use it." So he's yeah. finally feeling vindicated, huh? Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, I'm just so excited that you reached out to speak to our audience. We, of course, are here to empower people to reach their true potential. And it sounds like you yourself um, had a change. And uh, as I was doing some research, I read that really uh, at about age 35, you decided your life needed to change. So tell us a little bit about that. At 35, my mother died. Uh, She died very suddenly. She had been suffering from depression since her early 30s. She was only 54. Mm. She died in a psychiatric ward. Oh, wow. Um, And while she died, I was in another psychiatric ward in another hospital because I had suffered a breakdown. Um, Wow. And was that breakdown from caring for your mother or or the trauma? I think it was from feeling frustrated, feeling that I couldn't make a change without hurting my mother. I couldn't just move out because then she'd be by herself. Oh, Oh, Pauline, you know, when you said you thought we had a lot in common, I did not realize that we we so do. Um, um, But please continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, so at 35, I was living for the first time in my life once I got out of the hospital, and I was in for six weeks. And... I went home to the same apartment that my mother and I had shared, but she was gone. So I had to learn how to live independently. And in some ways it was terrifying. In other ways it was so liberating and so freeing. It was a moment that I'll never forget. There was exhilaration because I felt as though I was starting my life all over again. Wow. And had you lived with her up until the age of 35? Had you always lived with your mother? I I went away to girls' boarding schools from age 8 until 18, thanks to my grandfather who had enough money to pay my tuition. Oh, sure. That's a blessing. Absolutely. So I was much closer to my Aunt Marie on holidays because my mother worked. She didn't have, she never had much money, but... I devoted this book, I dedicated this book, Swim and Women, to my mother because she was a wonderful swimmer, because her light went out too early, mm-hmm. because the joy that I saw in her when she was a young, young woman mm-hmm. faded away from her life. And I, I wanted to help inspire other women, women who may feel awful about aging or terrified at the thought of making changes, that they're They have such a potential. And so each of the 20 chapters in the book have tips at the end. And those tips are about living life more fully. 
so the analogy of swimming is because my mother was a swimmer, because she taught me to swim, because swimming is a lot like living. You can stand on the edge of the water and look at everybody having fun, feel remorseful. Right, or you can dive in, right? Yes. Hmm. And do you have an analogy about floating? Do you feel like you ever need to float at times as well? Yes, absolutely. When you float, you're relaxing and letting go of your defenses. Mm-hmm. You're, in a way, rejuvenating your spirit. So the parallels to floating in water are listening to soothing music, engaging in meditation, interacting with serene people. And if you can find someone who's serene and calm, you're blessed. Oh, isn't that so true? It's uh, when we continually have toxic people around us, and it's by choice. That, to me, is almost the definition of insanity. (laughs) Um, You know, when we have people we love in our lives that suffer, um, and it's something that, you know, we can't fix, much like um, your mom or my mom, um, and, and they don't know how to make those choices it makes it very difficult for those of us who can make those choices um, to learn to swim if you will and to learn to um, put those procedures in place to give us that balance and harmony that we need Mm -hmm. exactly wow wow so uh, this book has been out for how long now uh two years this summer Okay, and so what have you heard? What are are you hearing from people out there that are reading it? I I imagine it's changing lives. There is a woman who said to me that it gave her the courage to move forward in a new career. And there there are people who are telling me this inspired them to feel stronger and braver. Wow, that's amazing. What a compliment, isn't it? Well, it makes me feel humble well and you know what i much like you said you dedicated this to your mom i'm working on my memoir called the power to say yes and it's about um you know my life with my mother you know her struggle with bipolar disorder and being homeless and you know much like you she did the best she could and you know i want to honor her in that and and through her experience hopefully help others be able to choose life you know and um, but like you say, be humbled that if what we go through can help someone else um, make a better choice for themselves and choose joy uh, and not say stay stuck in the pain. Mm-hmm. That is just like you said, just such a blessing to be able to give to someone else. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And my book is maybe 40 percent autobiographical and 60 percent interviews with other women. So the interviewing was an amazing part of the book. So I interviewed women of all different ages who have faced and are facing physical challenges, emotional challenges, loss of spouses, and found out from them how they dealt with those losses and those challenges. So really, it's uh, it covers any sort of loss someone can go through and gives you an example of how someone else did it, sort of a model, if you will. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how did you find the folks to participate and share their story? A lot of them were people that I knew. So I just asked them. I said, I'm writing a book, and it's a book about dealing with changes in life and challenges. And they were very forthcoming about sharing. 
so they, they felt honored to be asked. I also asked the mayor of Mississauga. Now, Mississauga is near Toronto. Okay. And she is the oldest living active mayor, I believe, in North America. She's in her 80s. Oh, wow. Oh, mayor. Wow, I would love to have her on the show sometime. <laughs> her name is Hazel McCallion. Okay. She would be a wonderful guest for it if you can tie her down. Yeah. I was she's... going to have a personal interview. But she, she said to me, oh, sorry, Pauline, we'll have to do a phone interview because I have to go to Montreal. <laughs> so she's incredibly active, and she epitomizes the awesome aging that I talk about in the book. She's vibrant. She's energetic. She's spirited. She uses a wealth of wisdom that she's garnered from her whole life to contribute to both her community and to the people around her. Well, so talk a little bit about that. You talk about that aging process because oftentimes, you know, we've heard that thing, you know, we've heard that statement, um, you know, women age like fine wine. But, of course, we look in the mirror and we beat ourselves up. <laughs> I'm wrinkled wine, wrinkled grapes. <laughs> yeah, you know, or wait, what? What is that? You know, how, you know, last night I went to sleep and, you know, and I woke up and now there's this new thing uh, that I have to deal with. But, <laughs> but so talk about um, aging from your perspective because it sounds like, um, you know, this woman is, is amazing, and there's just something, like you said, very spirited about her. But how can everyday person that's not necessarily the mayor, um, you know, apply this to their life? Well, one of the women that I interviewed for my book, who's in a wheelchair, has survived cancer, has MS, and is a humorous speaker, says this. I don't understand what bugs people about aging. I'm kind of proud of it. She's 51. You can get away with more garbage the older you get. Now, I don't know that I agree with that. <laughs> she says, I don't care what people think about me anymore. You get a discount age on. Some of the characteristics that I found, the main characteristic is the ability to laugh at yourself. Oh, gosh, that is so important. <laughs> I mean, oh. And you tap into what's inside. And somebody once said, and I don't know who said it, but it's so true that when you're in your 20s and you're, you're beautiful, that's a gift from God. Mm -hmm. When you're beautiful in your 50s or your 60s, you are the gift to God. Mm. Else. So it's, it's your spirit shining through. And it's, your, it's not that you're sticking your head in the sand and saying, I'm not 68, I'm not 54, I'm not 41. When I was in my 30s, I remember saying, well, it's just a number, but it's not. It's a symbol that you are alive and you're a contributing part of your community. So I think if you can, you find what's positive about your life, you give back to your community. And you, in, there's a poem in my book called Getting Real. Mm. And, and it's about the advantage of being whatever age we are in that we figure out what's important and what's not important. And we don't fuss about the trivialities. We, if we get a pimple on our face, we don't have a hairy fit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you were a teenager and you uh, went crazy about that? Oh, or like last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, what? I've got to have a photo taken and all of a sudden this thing creeps up on my face and I'm in my 40s. That's not right. You know, that's for teenage years. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, and you know, it's it's really kind of an interesting thing because with some of the business etiquette that I teach, that's really giving people the tools, you know, the the fine tools, the roadmap, but you've got to have this underlying piece that you're talking about. Yes. And if we're picking up our picking ourselves apart, if we're really taking the beautiful thing that God created, which is our unique self, and we're judging it constantly, then we're not being a service to him. I mean, he has us here for this particular time, a particular purpose. And like you said, if we look at our lives and on our gifts and ask ourselves, how can we be a blessing today? How can we serve our community? That is when we'll then we'll start to shine in every aspect of life. So, so true. Well, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're talking to Pauline Duncan Thrasher. She is the CEO of Communication Excellence. She is an amazing woman with an amazing story. And right now we're talking about her book, Swimming Women. Yes, Swimming Women. So, uh, well, Pauline, this is, um, I I can't wait to to get a copy of this. I I will send it straight away to you. Oh, well, (laughs) I really, it's amazing. I appreciate that. And. And um, like I said, you mentioned we had a similar background. And when you share that path of understanding mental illness, I think what's very challenging for so many people is it's an illness they don't see. And so when we see a physical disability or we see someone that has a challenge, it's so much easier where there's been this kind of stigma for people who suffer in this, you know, mental illness. And it's so unfair. Um, and there's just so much people don't know, and unless you've been through it, uh, you can't understand it. It's um, just really something you, you, you can try to sympathize, but you really can't understand how someone feels. And um, it's very interesting because it was about two years ago that I was moved um, in my heart to write my book, and believe me, for um, 40 years I had basically done everything I could to get away from that life. (laughs) But what happens is I think we get to a place where we're healed and we know it's our mission that we went through something to help other people. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. So in, in the healing process, you're given a strength and you owe it to share some of what gave you that strength to help other people. Yes, absolutely. And I think we have to heal. And I think a big part of our healing, regardless if it's a past like you and I shared, or perhaps something else tragic that happened in your life, or maybe you just didn't get picked by the softball team. Um, You know, we all harbor something we have to overcome, because I really believe it's from our heart, our healing of our heart that allows us to communicate uh, most effectively. What are your thoughts on that? I I think you're absolutely right, because the healing allows you to then be able to forgive. It gives you a whole different perspective on the person that you may once have felt anger toward. Right. And you're allowed to let go. One of the chapters in my book is letting go of the anchors. Mm. And sometimes we let ourselves be weighed down. We need to recognize what's holding us down and let go. And, you know, sometimes it's um, we just are in denial for so long. We really have to take the time and say, if we have a certain behavior, what's, what's causing me to do that? Yes. And it really takes that, that quiet place, that quiet time and, and self-reflection. 
because otherwise if we continue to have challenges communicating with people perhaps it's in our job or with our spouse Mm -hmm. um, or just other people in our lives we have to say well maybe the problem's with us yes and with my mother there were times when I kept quiet and I should have been sharing Mm. times when I thought I don't want to rock the boat I don't want to make her angry I don't want to upset Mm. I stayed quiet introverted and it was like a festering wound Mm. that's underneath wow yeah because now you're saying well if I spoke up then perhaps or maybe have you been able to let that go though and in this process forgive yourself from the should-haves and the could-haves and the (laughs) would-haves I I had a lot of help so when I was in the hospital it was because I had decided to leave home. That was when my mother was still alive. Mm. And I went that very night into the hospital. So I, I was receiving care before I found out that my mother had died. Oh, my and goodness. And I received care after. So it was my psychiatrist in the hospital who said, your mother died. And at first I didn't believe him. I thought he was testing me or something yeah to see how you would respond would respond yes wow that wouldn't be very nice would it <laughs> oh wow but my faith i have a huge faith yes me and too. so i my faith has been a great help mm. and friends um I, I began to develop friendships and that helped and in my book is a chapter called love jackets Yes, in fact, I think you, as one of the bonuses, Love Jackets is a a chapter that you would offer folks if they would like to have that. So tell us a little bit about that chapter. That chapter compares Love Jackets with Life Jackets. Ah. Love Jackets do for our feelings what Love Jackets do for our bodies. So loving others and being loved keeps us afloat when we feel as though we're drowning, when we feel as though there's nothing that will save us. And whether it's going next door to the neighbor and having a coffee with that person or visiting a sick child in the hospital, it all helps us. The most important part is that we need to love ourselves. Oh, and yeah. I don't mean with an ego thing. No. Mm-hmm. And I compare loving ourselves like a magical skin jacket. And we wrap ourselves in that and it gives us a sturdy spirit, even if we love someone who doesn't love us back. Oh. And so I talk, I share a personal example of unreciprocated love, where I thought I loved someone and the relationship went on and on and on. And I'd stop and then I'd start again. Until finally, I developed enough of a self-respect that I thought, I don't need this, I don't want it, I don't deserve it. And I said to this man, goodbye. And you know what? That's a place of health because when we don't love ourselves as Christ love us, loves us, you know, when we don't understand our value, um, then it's easy for us to accept um, people abusing us and to have unhealthy boundaries and, um, you know, to, to take things that really we don't deserve. And that we deserve better. And I remember my uncle saying to me uh, years ago, because I didn't get married till I was 34, almost 35. And it was a blind date and it was completely divine um, 
divine intervention because my husband worked across the street from me and I never saw him and would probably still have never seen him because he was in IT and I was in sales. You know, it just doesn't work out that way. Um, But anyway, long story short, the bottom line is, is that years before that, my uncle would say, well, um, Dallas Ann, I just think you're too picky. And I thought, (laughs) I'm not picky enough. (laughs) All the bad relationships that I had had and, um, you know, lessons I needed to learn. Thank goodness I did. And thank goodness I was um, open to something that was good for me. Uh, but again, I, we have to realize, I remember uh, Pauline going to a, a counselor when my mom was in the throes of her illness. And um, <clears throat> I, can't, I basically said, why am I continuing to get into these unhealthy relationships? And he said, uh, well, you need to realize that you're more important than that. Yes. You're more valuable. And I thought, what in the world? And he said, well, that's normal to you. You're used to being treated that way. Mm-hmm. So therefore, until you decide that you're valuable and that you um, don't deserve this, like you just said, then you will continue to attract these people who are attracted to you. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very eye-opening experience for me. It's so integral, isn't it? Oh, that my well, goodness. Women yeah. especially must, must somehow be able to value themselves. And then they're giving a message to other people. I value me. I respect myself. And then they'll gain that respect and that value from others. Oh, I completely agree because I, I, it's that an internal thing that we just, it emotes out of us. And when people see that, it radiates. And I think that we treat, uh, we, we teach people how to treat us. Oh, we do, for sure. Right, right. Well, so, you know, you mentioned a little bit that you were silent. And um, so how do you think silence can be helpful or, or harmful in a relationship? I think silence is helpful if it's shared compatible silence for example my husband and i love to go camping in a tent oh my gosh that is <laughs> yes nice old-fashioned camping <laughs> okay where where it's we went to a radio free zone for the last few years and there's silence we're both sitting reading our books we're not trying to block each other out that's the shared silence okay a harmony if you will yes yeah. okay another silence that's incredibly helpful is when you listen to someone without interrupting, Hmm. even if they're on a rant, and you just let them share, whether it's a teenager who's bothered, whether it's your spouse who wants to talk about building guitars, which is my husband, (laughs) and you think, oh, I don't think I want to listen anymore, but you do listen. Right, because you love them. You do listen. Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) Silence is not good when... and my mother, bless her soul, would get angry and she would become silent. Oh, goodness. And, mm-hmm. and it's, like, it's like putting a steel wall around yourself. And how can you get past that? I think that is so cruel. Well, I, yeah. Show their anger by being giving the cold shoulder. And I've heard of people, now it didn't happen with me, but I've heard of people who've spent days being silent and not speaking. Oh, my goodness, exactly. And, um, 
you know, or this passive aggressive behavior, you know, oh, you should know you hurt my feelings or, you know, the bottom line is that oftentimes people hurt us and they don't even know they did. Mm -hmm. And so we have to find a way to communicate that in love and not be blaming, of course. Yeah. But um, you're, you're exactly right. And what happens is when we do that, we're only sabotaging our own health. Mm-hmm. It manifests and, and stays inside of us and just harms us because that other person is just going on about their day. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's that, again, they're getting that silent treatment and they just give up. You you might uh, I don't know about your husband, but my 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 husband called my dad when we were getting married, and he you know asked him, told him he wanted to ask me to marry him, and and my dad says, well, you know she's strong willed, <laughs> and he said, yes, sir, I, I'm well aware of that, <laughs> but um, I just think it's funny, you know, I had to be strong willed, I didn't have an option, you know, yeah. but um, but anyway, you know, one of the things that I prided myself in after I started that healing process was explaining to people how I felt, especially uh, when I met my husband, you know, if he hurts my feelings, I say, you know, what you said kind of hurt my feelings, and I'm, then I have to find out if there's substance to it or if it goes back to my history, you know, if it's, you know, and, you know, we find a way to communicate and move past some of those barriers because we're open about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I let that, if I were to let that fester up, I just can't imagine how unhealthy that would be. Um, and like you said, it's, it's something we have to learn to do. It's not easy. It's not easy because we're trained. I was trained and maybe you were too. To be polite at all costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't rock the boat. If something, don't ask for things. If something bothers you, just keep quiet and smile nicely. Mm-hmm. And yet, it goes back to valuing ourselves, and in a way, to valuing the relationship enough to be honest. Honesty. Yep, you're exactly right. And truth and love is not easy. We go back to the Bible, and you know, um, you know. Truth isn't always easy to hear. No, it's not. But if it's offered in love, it's received so differently. Yes, yes. So, well, my goodness, Pauline. You know, we're going to have to do this again because we didn't even <laughs> get to general communication. But I hope that uh, uh, I hope you've appreciated how this conversation has gone. Uh, we do always have a question, though, from listeners, and we do have one from Tammy, who is in uh, Michigan. And she wants to know about communicating with your children. You know, oftentimes I think um, parents are dealing with this rudeness from their children. And so she feels a little lost about how she can communicate positively with them, but also be a disciplinarian as well. Okay. Because I was a teacher for so many years, I came often across children who had developed habits of speaking rudely to their parents. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can be a habit. So I think it's essential for parents to demonstrate respect, but also to make known to their children ways that they will not be spoken to. For example, our granddaughter, who's nine, comes to us every morning at 7 o'clock, and we look after and then drive her to school. Mm-hmm. She had a habit of getting this tone in her voice where she'd say, well, that's not how to do it. Mm. And I would say, excuse me. Right. <laughs> that, that is not the way I like being, I don't like being spoken to that way. Right. 
yeah, be quietly, and then let the silence go. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a teenager, um, it, I think it's good to recognize that they may be feeling angry. So something like, I can see that you're, I can hear the anger in your voice. Mm-hmm. I need to be spoken with, to with respect, and I promise you that I will speak to you in that same respectful way. I see. So again, teaching them how to tre- how to treat you as well. Yes. If if they if this has gone on for a long time and they've developed a habit, then you may need to wait until they're in a calm mood and say, "Let's sit down and talk." Okay. Well, if there's anybody out there, Pauline, that has a particular issue they're working through, maybe something like this, like Tammy mentioned, how can they reach you to work with you one-on-one or perhaps through, you know, maybe telecoaching if they're, you know, not in your area? Um, how, can we, how can we get in touch with you? Well, they can email me. So my email is Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E. Okay. At Communication Excellence, C-O-M-M-U-N. I-C-A-T-I-O-N-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E dot com. So it's all one word, Pauline at communicationexcellence dot com. They could phone me if they wanted to. Uh, Sometimes emailing is so impersonal. Right. Perhaps the email. My phone number is area code 519-681-9238. And what time zone are you on, Pauline? Sorry? What time zone? We're on um, Eastern Time. Eastern Time. Okay. So we're we're one hour. Right now it's 441 in London, Ontario. Okay. Well, um, and then tell us a little bit about the bonus for the listeners. You mentioned a little bit about Love Jacket, but I know you had two chapters that you wanted to offer. And also for the first 10 people, I think you mentioned you would give a discount on the book Swimming Women. So tell us a little bit about that so we can take advantage of that as well. Okay, well, if they want a free chapter, they could, they could receive either Awesome Aging or Love Jackets. All they need to do is email me at the email address I just gave. Which is Pauline at communicationexcellence.com. Yes, and the subject heading, if they put in the subject heading, free chapter. Okay. And in terms of the discount, uh, I the book normally sells for $20, and I think I said I'm just looking for what I wrote down. I think uh, $10. Right, for the first 10 people, I believe. The first 10 people. Wonderful. Yeah. And, of course, if people want to, um, to learn more from you, uh, they can contact you and find out about opportunities to personally coach with you or bring you in to work with their team. All of that's available through uh, telephone or email. Yes, and oh. my website is communicationexcellence.com. Okay. Well, communication excellence. Well, Pauline, I just cannot thank you for being for being more excellent. Um, <laughs> you, it has been amazing to connect with you, and I certainly hope that uh, you'll join us again. I think we have much more to talk about, and uh, um, I just really appreciate it from all the listeners here at Purpose Without Limits. Well, thank you very much for asking me. We'll be back with more Purpose Without Limits after this Two Talk Minute. Hey, this is Barbara Kazam from Kazamitude, spelled K-H-O-Zamitude.com, with your two tip of the week. Today's tood is the combatitude, also known as the know-it-all. These people know everything about everything. You can't debate them, 
because they're know-it-alls. Examples would be colleagues, friends, yes, and even some loved ones. The solution is very simple. Let them know you know they know, you know? So if you want to disagree with them, you're going to acknowledge what they say, use the and word, and then make your point. It sounds like this. Hey, your idea is good, and I was thinking of doing it this way. What do you think? And is an addition, but is a subtraction, and it's a great way to get them on your side. This is Barbara Kazam with your two-tip of the week. For more information, go to kazamatu.com. Well, everyone, it's time again to say goodbye, and we'll be back again next week talking about blue ocean strategies. Have you heard of blue ocean strategies yet? Well, it's what companies do, companies like Starbucks. Boy, we've had coffee before, but they delivered it in a new way, creating a completely different market, didn't they? Well, how can you... Uh, apply that same principle to your business, whether you are an entrepreneur or have a partnership or maybe a small business. How can you apply the blue ocean strategy and create demand in a market or create a completely different value source? And John Walker will help us figure that out. He's got a wonderful company that helps small businesses focused on creating their own blue ocean strategy. So be sure to join us for that. Well, until next week, make sure you visit us at purposewithoutlimits.com and be sure to pick up your copy of Professionally Polished Business Etiquette Savvy for today's competitive market at makeyourbestimpression.com. Until next week, have a great one and keep on smiling. You've been listening to Purpose Without Limits with your host, Dallas Teague Snyder. Dallas is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. Visit MakeYourBestImpression.com for more information.